Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. It is our season five premiere. Back for another season, Keith. Hello, everybody. Season five, Cinco de Seasono. Uh, something like that. <laughs> not quite sure. Uh, but yeah, here enough. we are for season five with our very horrible Spanglish um, that we won't do anymore. But uh, we're starting off our new season with uh, a big episode and a very special guest. So welcome to the podcast for the first time, my amazing sister, Alyssa Sheeman. Hey, guys. I didn't realize this was a premiere episode. I'm honored. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to catch you off guard to keep it real. Yeah. Uh, no, but no pressure. This is just like any other episode. Um, but great to have you on, Alyssa. Um, you know, we've been wanting to have you on, but, you know, you've, you've had a lot going on, you know, uh, so we wanted to wait until... The, the proper time to have you on. You know, just a few things. Had a child, readjusting, being a human being again. Yeah, that kind of thing tends to uh, fill up your schedule. So. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, so here we are today, thankfully. Um, and also to kick off our new season, we have, I think, uh, a very well-known and divisive movie to talk about, the 2008 adaptation of Twilight. Um Starring Robert Pattinson um, and um, uh, Kristen, St- Kristen Stewart. <laughs> uh, this movie falls into the category of having a negative score from critics and a positive score from audiences. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, 49% of the critics approve, so a little less than half, while 73% of audiences approve. So a uh, bit of a difference there, almost 30, like 20, 20, Okay, I won't do math right now, uh, but quite a bit of a difference there. Uh, and the critics' consensus is, uh, having lost much of its bite transitioning to the big screen, Twilight will please its devoted fans, but do little for the uninitiated. Uh, so there you have it. Not surprised that audiences are more on board with Twilight than critics are. And personally, I would have to say I'm the uninitiated as they are dubbing the audience members here. Um, I really have had not much of experience. I haven't read any of the books. This is my first time watching the movie, although I'm quite aware of the franchise and a lot that is said about it, a lot that happens in it. So I'm in the uninitiated camp. But uh, I know, Alyssa, you are more of the initiated. You're more familiar with the franchise. You've read the books, correct, and seen all the movies? Yes. Um, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I saw all the movies in theaters. I read all the books, um, and I have a lot of conflicting feelings, so I'm really looking forward to diving in and hearing what you guys think right, about yes. it, because I'm sure as a first-time viewer, it was maybe a little jarring. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's definitely for sure. Uh, so I, I love having the different perspectives here, someone more familiar and then a newbie here. But Keith, where, where do you stand? Are you somewhere in the middle? I kind of, I'm kind of more leaning with you, JJ, where I, I I was in college when this all came out, so I did not kind of miss past me. I know the beats. I know, like, the big overall picture because it's been such a – you can't deny that this was, like, a phenomenon. Like, I know, yeah. I know about, like, the memes of it 
overall, but the finer details, that's what I have so many questions that you might be able to help Alyssa. Like I, I have, hope so. I have so many questions, but uh, JJ, I kept watching this movie going, this is a movie that we would have had fun watching together. This is, this is like, yeah, I don't I know where so. it fits in your bad scale, but this is, I found it, I'm sure it gets even more entertaining, but I found it kind of, the goofiness, there's entertainment in the goofiness. It's certainly goofy and has what I perceive as unintentional moments of awkwardness. Um, like, you know, watching this, I kind of was going back and forth thinking like there's it's it's amusing enough for me in how kind of silly and over the top it is. But other times I find myself kind of bored with this movie. So I question how well it translates from book to film, because I, I know that the book is such a big hit. I would have to think that the book is a lot more exciting than the movie, what do you uh, think, Alyssa? I would I would say that you're wrong. <laughs> um, oh, really? I would I think this may be the only time I ever say that the movie is better than the book. Wow. And I think that has to do with like the filmography. I do think that there are really beautiful parts of this movie, probably because of where they filmed it. Uh, but the book is challenging to get through i don't find was it's it's stephanie meyer to be a talented or articulate writer um there are many many pages of bella's thought process where she's just describing the cars that are in the parking lot around her it is very mundane in in the pacing in a weird way i would have loved that in this movie by the way if she just (laughs) explained looked at all the cars and narration of cars i i I got that from Bella. She's that kind of person. Yeah, which though I have to say, her red truck in the in the movie is pretty sweet. I would have loved to have like an old beater like that. Yeah, right. Something to just kind of like not care if you ding up or something. Um, but with the Bella character, I feel like the biggest point of contention in this movie is Kristen Stewart's performance as Bella, because I feel like she's definitely making choices here to make this character kind of you know awkward not sure what to do with herself physically and so forth but is that the way that the character is or how you imagine the character to be because I feel like there's ways to do awkward characters but still in an endearing way and I'm not sure if she was doing this in an endearing way it was kind of more watching her is like know, watching a other... panic attack it's like she does so much shaking and I always like people when whenever said she was bad I always like I've seen her in good movies so I'm like oh she can she can act but this yeah. her interpretation of this was like the living embodiment of a panic attack. And if she had read the books prior to taking on this role, which, I, you know, I know a lot of actors will do in preparation to like, um, you know, when something is translated to film, that's probably where she got her quote unquote inspiration for how she portrayed this character. Cause you get a lot of that awkwardness on the page. She was written to be that very stereotypical, like I'm falling down all the time, please save me sort of character. And I think that's to kind of make it um, all that more of a transformation way down the line where she spoiler alert, eventually does become a vampire and she becomes (gasps) this very, oh no, I'm so sorry. Um, She becomes like a much more graceful, strong character like the, like all of the other Cullens. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. I do, obviously I know they're setting this character up for more. I mean, this whole movie seems to me to be set up. I feel like this movie doesn't really stand as 
on its own, like a standalone movie, it really only exists to set up a further franchise. Like, it's not satisfying to watch by itself. It only really makes sense knowing that there's more to come afterwards, which is a gripe I have. Like, for example, not to compare it to, like, the Harry Potter franchise, which obviously, obviously the book series is superior and the film franchise, but at least the first, like, the Sorcerer's Stone is satisfying on its own in addition to setting things up, whereas this first Twilight movie... You know, there's there's not so much that isn't explained yet that it's like, okay, like, well, if I do go back to this franchise, it'll probably be for the later installments. Is this the best one? Is, is this the best movie? I'm, I'm kind of curious. The movies do get more fun to watch because there's more fight scenes. You get more of the world of the vampires. And I'll be honest, I'm always left wishing there were, like, side movies about every other character besides Bella and Edward. <laughs> I find almost everybody else 10 times more interesting than them. That's so funny you say that because I was finding myself more interested in her classmates, like her little clique of friends, like Anna Kendrick and all those kids. I was kind of like, huh, like they're kind of more charming and full of more personality than Bella or Edward. Too much personality though. That boy, like, Bella kind of suffers from the same thing that the the lead character in Showgirls suffered from, where I'm trying to like every character in the movie saying like she's amazing. There, there. Every character in the movie sees something in the main character that the audience doesn't. And this new girl, who I'm still trying to get a timeline, she comes kind. Of, it feels like she comes in a month before prom, and she's like hey you're you're amazing like you want like everyone is just infatuated with this person well they even want to write like an article about her like the school newspaper is going to write an article about a new student and everyone's asking you to prom everyone's like super into her what would you write like she's pale and she came from arizona they love that joke they like that's the funniest thing I, like that and i and i kind of get why the guys are acting the way like i guess this is the way it's like you know she wants a man instead of the these boys like these like they're dancing outside the the diner as like you know there's a death they're they're mourning the loss of their friend the boys are like dancing outside and but you know Edward is 117 years old he's or something that scene in the greenhouse when they have like the worms on the sticks and stuff i thought i don't know i weirdly thought that was so funny because it felt like a very real thing like high school boys would have done or found amusing. Right, goofing off and being immature. So I buy all that. Uh, but then you have these Collins characters, and uh, it's so obvious that they're vampires. I mean, like, <laughs> they're all the dressed doctor. like weirdos. They're, so, they're all, like, obviously they're all pale, but they all have, like, really weird, goofy haircuts. And it looks like they're all wearing lip gloss. I mean, these are kind of like the least threatening vampires I've ever seen in any like movie or TV show. Their cover yeah. isn't their cover isn't that it's like you know oh yeah they every time it's a sunny day they go hiking and uh, uh, you know they're all dating each other. Everyone's yeah, just kind of cool. Or like weird I, at all. I'd be like oh they're all wearing white. I'm like this is a cult, right? <laughs> For people who drink blood, they do wear a lot of white. Now that you think about That's it, That's how they introduce. Yeah, right. They're all they're all holding hands, and uh, the I mean, the doctor, um, the doctor, I, I can't remember his name, but he, Carlisle. Kyle, Carlisle. He looks like a vampire. He doesn't look like a human. He's very white and very bleached blonde. <laughs> his and every other their eyes are all red or brown. Like it's. I'm surprised no one caught on in this town. 
Uh, except Bella. She apparently could figure it out with a couple Google searches. She's, oh my God, the Google <laughs> the search. Google I thought was searches. so... That was such a 2000s thing when anyone in a movie in the 2000s had to look up something or just to figure something out, I should say. Just go to Google. Speed, just Google it. Strength. A hundred years old. Immortal. Like the, like the zoom in on the words. <laughs> they must be vampires. Um, I mean, the vampire mythology is also something I find interesting, the choices they make in this franchise, because it definitely deviates from a lot of classic sort of vampire stuff. Like they can go out during the day. But if they go in sunlight, what is it? Like they glitter for some reason and they sparkle? Like what was up with that? That's the most you ever get as like a reasoning. They're supposed to be like ultra attractive, I guess, to like lure in their prey. They, weirdly enough, like even in the books, I think Bella describes as Edward's breath as being like, I don't know, delicious to her, which I don't know. There's a lot of creepy things that happen. I kept yes. watching this movie going like, this is baby's first toxic relationship. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, she's so instantly in love with them and so determined to be with them. Like when that scene when like she's confronting him and he's like, say it like you're a vampire. Like he's saying all these all these reasons why they shouldn't be together. And she's so dismissive of everything. He even says, yeah, I've killed people. And she says immediately, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's like just, a big deal breaker. Yeah, that red <laughs> like, flag. Dude, if that's <laughs> red not flag. a big deal, what's a big deal? I understand if you're going to be with a vampire, you have to reconcile that they're going to drink people's blood and they may have killed people. But, I mean, it's still a big deal. It's not something you should get over in a second. I know what you are. See it. Out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. There have been so many other um, stories or shows about like vampires. It's such a classic story to tell. And like what you're saying about somebody having to reconcile being with a vampire, um, Buffy, one of my favorite shows, I, and I think kind of like one of the top tier vampire shows, like did it so well. Um, even Vampire Diaries did a much better job. That was that was happening at the same time that Twilight kind of exploded. And I think one of the biggest problems, especially with them sparkling, is there's there's no downside to becoming a vampire in this story, in this lore. In the past, it's you can't go outside. You you um, have to stop seeing your whole family. You lose your soul. There's so many. Um, things, there, there's no stakes in this, in this movie when it comes to becoming a vampire. It seems too easy. That's a good point. And I hadn't considered that the price one pays for immortality and eternal youth. Like you said, you lose your soul, you lose your humanity. You're supposed to, you know, hide in the shadows and, uh, basically not be able to live a full life, even though it's an eternal life. So that's like the irony 
and this movie is kind of like taking the easy way out and just saying like no being a vampire is great um i mean a lot of other vampire stories and lore you know you also see the danger of being with the vampire because like there's a lot of you see them like being violent and fighting each other and, and killing people and drinking blood. And there's not really, I know the later sequels of this franchise, you see more action and violence, but in this first movie, it's all very tame and toned down like the violence and the actual like bloody dimension of vampires. That's all kind of played down in a way that makes it very like PG and thus like not as exciting that of a, of a story that a vampire story should be. Uh, I don't want to, I'm like defending the cynicism, but I don't even want to defend this movie. I do uh, like uh, Alyssa. When you did you like the? Do you like this ironically or un- like at the time unironically? Like, did you actually like like? Did you know what you were reading and like? Yeah, it's bad, but it's fun. Yes, okay. I thought it was terrible, but it was fun to indulge it um, at the time, and I I also think this is part of the reason it became so popular. I started reading this series almost immediately after finishing the seventh Harry Potter book. And Harry Potter, and JJ mentioned Harry Potter before, which um, I think a lot of people like myself were searching for that next big fantasy book. And unfortunately, like Twilight hit the shelves right at the perfect moment that people just grasped onto it. And it just exploded. I don't think that it's worthy of being compared to Harry Potter as problematic as some Harry Potter things are right now to discuss, but um, it's definitely not in the same league at all. No, Hollywood noticed that as well because, you know, this the Twilight, the series, the book series was amazingly popular and Hollywood's like, okay, we're going to make this a movie and I was, I, th- I think with hiring Catherine Hardwick who has done really good teen like she's done 13 and uh, the Lords of Dogtown and, and that's really kind of all I seen but she does she knows how to handle that teen angst and I can she kind of set the tone for this but you also got like I think with <laughs> she did pretty good directing pretty good or she tried her best at doing a good job directing this and the same thing goes for the writing I think the source is so goofy that you really can't Ungoof like you can't really ungoofify some of these lines right it's hard to elevate you know because at the end of the day i find this story to be basically like a schoolgirl fantasy you know and and bella i think is purposely like a very like undefined character at least in the beginning to the point where any reader can put themselves in her shoes like she's a vessel basically and you know like that fantasy of oh that dark mysterious boy and he turns out to be a vampire who's willing to break the rules and throw caution in the wind just to be with you because he's just in love with you for whatever reason and in that aspect you know i found myself feeling like okay this movie is not even really meant for someone like me um but i can see how it maybe one like you said fills the void that harry potter left as a book series but then also for maybe like a preteen or very young teen is maybe like a little titillating in a way. Which is so unfortunate considering like she wakes up and he's in her room one night. Oh yeah, that's so wrong. That's so wrong and he even admits like, I like watching you sleep. Yeah, 
red flag. Uh, there's one line that stuck out for me where she's like, I don't know how to dance. He's like, I'll make you. And I'm like, oh, throw that down. Like, he's like, where's the bed? He's like, I don't sleep. <laughs> I would like to see just him just standing there. <laughs> like, oh, like, like, like Vision in Civil War, just like just standing there. Recently, uh, a four or what? There's four books. I guess a, fi- a fifth book came out called, I think it's Midnight Sun. And it's the first book from Edward's perspective. So you may get what you need. Keith, I want to see the dad's watch perspective. I want. I want a whole his, movie about the dad. Friends are dying by a bear, by animals. Not even a bear. It's animal attacks. Again, it's so vague. Like what happened? Oh, animal attacks. I feel so like, bad for animal? this guy. His daughter uh, is acting weird. He doesn't trust the men in her life. Uh, his right. friends are dying one by two. <laughs> The one scene where she's on the run, she has to flee her house, and then so she just says hurtful things to her father to as an excuse. That was like the one moment where I thought there was some narrative potential, like where there's a couple layers here of like she's just saying this to just like leave and not have him like question it, but also she actually is getting out some things and they're having like a bit of a you know cathartic moment there. So that was like the one where I'm like, okay, there's something kind of interesting happening here, but it's just so brief, right? Like if someone maybe had a honed in on on elements like that to make it more resonant, I, I, that's that's the only potential I see from this particular part. There of is a lot there because even in the beginning they're talking about how he hasn't seen her for such a long time she hadn't spent christmas there since she was four years old apparently santa was a drunk it sounds like he said he makes a comment about the kids liking those little bottles he carries around um i don't know if you guys picked up on that but no i thought he was just weird he's like hey i was santa i remember you uh but it's hard to they don't go there because all Bella is, her whole character, is being in love with somebody else. Her whole personality is dependent on her love for Edward, which leaves nothing for anybody else. As soon as she gets, I guess they get together, all of those really nice scenes of her making friends with Jessica and the other girls and the guys, they melt away and you're left wanting more. And I guess there's that scene towards the end, I think it's when they're on the run, where she sees them all coming out of the diner and they're laughing and all of her, all of her old friends are together and you kind of get that window and that sense she's choosing this life so she has to give up everything else, which also would be much more of an interesting plot line too if she was interested in anything other than Edward. Right, or if at least I could they build up this romance a little more so I can understand why she's making this choice in the first place. It happens so suddenly that I don't understand why she's choosing this over everything else. And I think that's unfortunate because the whole series is banking on this connection between the two of them, which I feel like based on what I've seen so far, I don't understand yet. That's such a sad, I mean, you're hundred percent right, Alyssa, but that's such a sad view like what uh like a young girl could get out of this series at least in this first movie is her choosing the life of this this mysterious toxic guy i really don't understand the appeal of edward i and i know i'm a guy like (laughs) i i but i don't understand like what 
I'm kind of like I would love to get like a young cousin on the phone. Like, what do you? I don't get it. I really don't understand what girls like. Aside from Robert Patterson being Robert Patterson, I don't get the the characterization of Edward. Well, you know, um, I, I'm very curious about that too because a lot of the audience reviews I was reading on Rotten Tomatoes comes from a perspective of I love Edward so much. Like it was a lot of that. I feel like people love the movie just because they love the character regardless of anything else and again maybe he's kind of a vessel in a way to superimpose their fantasies of an ideal guy maybe there's something like that going on i'm not quite sure but the passion that some of these fans have for that character is like beyond me this is why 50 shades did so well like is this the same reason like i believe 50 shades is a fan fiction of of Twilight because what? Twilight wasn't gritty enough. However, I'm also pretty sure that Twilight originated the the author originally wrote Harry Potter fan fiction and and that's how all of this kind of like tumbles into each other. Wow, I had no idea about that. That's so I didn't know so I didn't know the Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> Funny enough, um cuz I yeah, Eric has read all the books of Twilight and you know you watched all the movies he's watching this with me and he was telling me that because of how unhappy he was with the interpretation of the Edward character from novel to film is the reason why he didn't watch the 50 shades of gray movie because he watched, he read the book and he was also afraid of that casting and you know that not coming to the screen in a proper way i find that so funny that they're more connected now those two franchises than i ever realized yeah, I never dived into the Fifty Shades um, franchise. It seemed a little too, I don't know. I'll, if I have a, have a problem with this being toxic, I don't even want to dive into whatever is going on over in that neighborhood. I, I hear you. I mean, it, it, again, it seems like another fantasy playing out for someone where here's like a tough, hard guy who is into some kinky stuff, but this girl is somehow able to like get through to his more human interior in a way. But like, I don't know, again, like it raises all sorts of issues. And uh, for anyone who has a more realistic view on like how relationships work, it is kind of scary. Well, and that, that's the problem. We're teaching people that, or girls, that you can change the bad boy. That if you're special enough and goofy enough that you're and endearing enough that he's going to change for you and he's going to fall in love with you. And that stuff just doesn't happen. Does that happen? I mean, uh, I, that definitely doesn't happen in this movie. But does that happen? I mean, it sounds like she's changing for him if she becomes a vampire. Like, yeah. I just think this movie... Uh, while it may be goofy and entertaining, and it look, I, we haven't even gotten to Jacob yet. Like, I, and granted, Jacob's a non—I didn't even know he had long hair in this series. Uh, but it's—it uh, doesn't seem like. I feel like there's all like underneath the goofiness, there's all bad messaging, and that's kind of like it's just bad after bad after bad. If anything. I feel like this conversation is making a case for Team Jacob because he seems to be like a sweeter, nicer guy who's maybe a little more concerned with Bella, um, which is another funny thing. I was aware of this franchise, like, you know, Team Edward or Team Jacob, da-da-da-da. I didn't and, get like, a sense people... of that in this film. I just got like, hey, he's the exposition dude. 
it it definitely comes out in the next okay. book slash well, movie. You get it. it. <laughs> yeah, I think this might be the movie or the series that really started that love trifecta because now you see it in everything. Right. Yeah, the two guys that each have, I guess, legitimate case to make, but at least that's another thing too. This movie is having Jacob and these other Native American characters, and you get a sense of yeah they don't like the edward character or they somehow know about the vampires and but that that doesn't get explained at all it's left very unsatisfied you know it's being left later on but as a movie on its own it's like a whole unexplained element that would leave a viewer confused if they didn't know to look out for that later on which also i i personally find this very problematic um the tribe that Jacob is a part of is a, a real tribe. She, the, the author took a real tribe of people and completely changed their history and their background and you, you know, twisted it into what she needed to serve the purpose of this story with, I think he says a little bit about the werewolves, you know, spoiler she alert. Make a, she couldn't make up a tribe. Right? <laughs> like... That's insane that you would take a real. You make up all this crazy lore about about vampires, and yet you can't. And you probably have this lore about werewolves too that we'll find out. Um, uh, That's so crazy to me that she either a couldn't make up a fictional tribe, or b at least if you're going to pick a real tribe, maybe do a little homework and research so it's somewhat based in reality, and you're playing. And I don't know. I mean, I know some of the actors in this movie or playing the Native American characters are Native American. So, like, maybe, I don't know, if there was any input on how they're portrayed in the film, I would like to think that there's some sensitivity on the filmmaker's part because it doesn't seem like there was on the author's part. I was shocked that, like, there's one, like, the Gil Birmingham, who I've seen in a bunch of, like, what, like, uh, like, good movies and TV shows, he plays Jacob's father, the one in the wheelchair. I feel like right. this is just a. I feel like even like the dad, like this is a lot of a paycheck for a lot of the older actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was breaking some actors who only have a couple lines, like the wife of the vampire doctor. I recognize that actress from things like The Haunting on Hill House, and I'm like, oh, okay, she's like a recognizable actress. Does she have like more than three or four lines in this movie? I don't think so. Yeah, uh, Rosalie, I think got the most play. Probably, and I'm kind of team. Ro- I'm I'll, I'm team Rosalie. I get I get her. I get her where she's coming from. Oh, the, the anti Bella vampire. It she's did make me laugh badass. when she smashed the like the the salad bowl. I did. <laughs> I, I maybe that was unintentional, or but I just that that part made me laugh. But she she makes good points. Right. At least there was some sort of like perspective outside of just like everyone's on board like you know there was there was some conflict that was interesting you eventually learn kind of like what her origin story is um like the way you find out how edward became a vampire um and it it makes you more sympathetic to her and you understand what her perspective is um she was you know, she was a bride raped the night before her wedding and left for dead by her fiance and his buddies and Carlisle found her, um, turned her. And then she spent the next so many, I guess, 
month or so killing everybody that wronged her. See, I want to see that movie. That, I like. Why didn't they make that Kill movie? Bill? Uh, uh, like a Kill Bill revenge story. Alice's boyfriend. I forget what his name is at the time. Non-speaking guy. <laughs> He's a. He was from the Civil War, um, and he was like a, you know, in the South, and that's how he be. You know, he died as a Civil War soldier. I want his story too. Whoa, whoa, uh, and. and Wait, he's from the Civil War, but the way they're acting about it, I have so many questions, and I know you're the Twilight expert. Uh, I, wait, when did Edward, Edward... Edward died in the Spanish flu because he didn't wear a mask, right? Uh, like, he <laughs> he didn't wear a mask. Uh, That's why you got to wear a mask, But they're kids. acting as if the, the Civil War guy, like, oh, he's a baby. Like, he, every time yeah, I he, thought they like, were acting like... They were acting like... I thought he had just become a vampire. He, from what I remember... Um, he just recently joined like the family. Oh, okay. Turned quote unquote vegetarian, but uh, he had been a vampire. I think he's one of the oldest vampires. Gotcha. Did you follow me? I, I feel very protective of you. So you followed me. I was trying to keep a distance unless you needed my help, and then I heard what those lowlifes were thinking. Wait. <laughs> you say you heard what they were thinking? <sighs> so what, you... You read minds. <gasps> I mean, this vampire family is, you know, an interesting concept. I guess this doctor vampire is like a benign vampire who, like, saves those in need and you know turns them into vampires which is maybe why they're downplaying the downsides of being a vampire in this franchise but like you know the whole scene of them playing baseball i found to be so ridiculous it was trying to film it in a way that made it seem like a cool music video or something like yeah like we play baseball and thunderstorms but it was so goofy to me i'm like we get no vampire action, and instead I'm watching them play baseball in a, a, a random field in the middle of nowhere. Like, what is going on here? Clever idea, goofily, goofy execution, but I laughed at how they they do their stance when, like, the bad vampires come, and they're just, like, they're twerking, basically. Like, uh, it's like how they stand. I'm like, oh, oh, and they're taking this seriously, which is all the more better. That escalated very quickly. Too. And that that's like what in like two thirds into the movie and the real stakes. I, I would say that's when like you really have your conflict when how is that the most dangerous, exciting game this man, this vampire has ever played? Bella of all people like, mm -hmm. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I guess I got a sense that he picks a mark and is going to hunt down that target uh, no matter what, like that kind of thing, like an obsessed hunter or something. But I agree, that is finally when the story picks up. Yeah, the last 20 some, minutes. Some conflict, something going on, because otherwise it's just her meeting these characters and it's like, it almost feels like a pilot of a TV show. It's like, oh, here's this character and here's that character and here's how things work and da-da-da. And I'm like okay, there's like 30 minutes left in this movie. When is something going to happen? Are they all X-Men? 
Do they all have oh, like? What do you mean? They're basic. No, I'm uh, like they are. They all like once oh, you're a vampire, you get like magic powers. You can you can read minds. The, the Alice can can see the future. Kind of. Uh, it reminded me of Charmed in a way, where it's like each witch has a special power. Like oh, each yeah. vampire has a special power. Like Edward can read minds, and this other girl can see into the future. And not every vampire not every, gets okay. a special power. Okay. And how do they handle school? Like I get it. I I and that that's probably the reason why they sparkle. Stephanie's like, okay, we got to get these vampires into high school. Why even go to high school though? I don't understand. They they were saying like, oh, you can go to high school for like wherever they go, they can stay there for a little bit until people start to get suspicious why they don't age. Uh, but then why even go to high school and put yourself out there <laughs> and like have people like think like, hmm, like this person, the graduation is, like, counts. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this all from like one high school or are they just like rotating? Especially since they're so limited in where they can go, they have to stay where it's like cloudy and rainy. Uh, so they're really, what is it like the Northwest is, is really their bubble. They can't really go anywhere else. So you would think it's too much of a hassle to continue to try to acclimate into all these high schools. Yeah, and just to learn the same thing over and over and over again, like the same level of, of high school. And like, like you said, they can only really go so many places. Like they might run into the same teacher who transferred somewhere and it's like, hmm, like this student looks familiar from maybe 20 or 30 years ago. So I didn't really see the point of that except for just that setup of, ooh, bad boy in high school. Turns out he's a vampire, like just to get that set up, even though the backstory to that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I can hear a bunch of people going like, don't think about it. It's cool. Like, give us props for at least thinking this, (laughs) but don't think about it. I could just hear that people just telling me that. Um, It's funny, too, that uh, LSU previously mentioned uh, Vampire Diaries. So I think in like the late 2000s, there was this big craze for vampires, and I'm not sure if the book Twilight maybe started or maybe just helped start it because the book was 2005 and the movie's 2008. Because you had True Blood come out in 2007, and that was like definitely like the very adult uh, vampire story on HBO. And then The Vampire Diaries comes out in 2009, so somewhere kind of in the middle. Like it's, you know, it's not as extreme as True Blood, but it definitely has more action. Right, than, than Twilight, at least from the get-go. I would say that's more of your middle ground there if you're looking for more of a romanticized teen drama that maybe has a little bit more thought put into it than Twilight, Vampire Diaries is where you want to go. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I did watch the first couple episodes. I'm like, okay, like right off the bat, like the main character is more interesting. And, you know, I'm kind of understanding the conflicts almost immediately. Like there's immediately stakes uh, in the first couple episodes and you know watching True Blood the first couple episodes of that um, definitely seems to uh, stick more faithfully to that vampire lore where they don't go out at night and you know you get more of the downsides of how they're almost even like second class citizens like there's like a political statement to that so people were playing around with different ideas of, of vampire lore for a while so it was interesting to see that, that craze go on for like you know from the late 2000s to the mid 2010s and those are also book adaptations, both of those TV series that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, I wonder if there is any connection to, um, you know, Buffy ending. And towards the end of Buffy, there was that love story between her and Spike and people realizing that 
that, you know, human vampire love story was very interesting. And so many people started playing into that. Yeah, could be. Um, I mean, it's definitely compelling, right? Like, you know, it's like, if you can, you can translate that to people of different classes who for societal reasons couldn't be together, you know, it goes back to like Romeo and Juliet, like some at the framework of, you know, your love is for some reason forbidden for natural or societal reasons. And that kind of, again, raises the stakes. I, I hate to flex any English major muscle. I did take a vampire class in, in, in college. Uh, and it's, you know, we read and watched a bunch of, stuff uh but it's all based on like there's a lot of sexuality like even in the old dracula to the to francis for Coppola, like it just there is this idea of erotic forbidden love you know the idea of just uh the imagery in that it there's always something i guess on the on the twilight scale just teen romanticism that that people can latch on to and i think with that in mind it I, I just keep making the opposite argument for this movie as I as we talk about it more. But I think it's why Twilight also doesn't make any sense because there's a lot of um, like sex shaming that happens where she Bella is seems to have a pretty um, big sexual appetite and Edward just isn't about it because he wants to be married first. Yeah. So he won't put her to bed, if you will, until they're married. And he wants her to experience that before she becomes a vampire as well. Um, I, there's a lot of like Catholic virgin undertones. Oh, wow. Isn't Stephanie Meyer full? Like, isn't she, uh, She's Mormon. That's, uh, I was like, yes. is, like, so I'm, I would love for Edward to take her to church. Does that happen in any, <laughs> but that's so He gets her baptized. That happens in the second one. They do go to Italy in the second one. So. I, I want to see Martin, Michael Sheen. I want to, I, oh, I've yeah. seen the goofy memes. I'm like, well, how do we get from Twilight to him giggling like a schoolgirl? Oh yeah, I want to. I'm and I, but I can't watch it by myself. This isn't that kind of movie. This is a movie that I like. JJ and I like to watch bad movies, and I have a feeling it's going to get goofy, goofier from here. If I'm not like from what you're saying, Alyssa. Yeah, Jeff and I recently rewatched them all while we were waiting for Benjamin to make his appearance because we were bored, and they are fun to hate watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're pretty like. A lot of eyebrow raising, like the, for example, in the the scene where um, in the biology class where he's just kind of wigging out. Like, that this face is your... he makes is like why insane. Like I guess from what I understand later on, it was because he couldn't read her mind, and then also I guess he was feeling the attraction or something like that, and he's like freaking out. But he is they're sitting right next to each other, and he is staring at her and having like a total spaz attack he's like a freaking weirdo this is their first interaction together and i'm like is this supposed to be this weird i i don't, I don't know well i guess when she walks into that room they for some reason there's a fan that she stands right in front of and it blows her scent to him and that's when you see him have the conniption because that's then later on in the scent 
Yeah, uh, and later on in the baseball scene, they use that again because it doesn't. It isn't until the wind blows towards like the other vampires that they catch her scent as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense, but it's still executed in a no, really good way. No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense, I guess. But uh, now I know at least the nonsensical reason. Um, so that was like kind of weird. Yeah, the movie's just full of like really, I, again, I feel like unintentional awkward moments. And uh, I even I had this thought too. I think Twilight is a good name for a movie about vampires because like, oh, Twilight, now the vampires can come out. But the vampires come out all the time anyway. They come out during the day. In fact, most of this movie takes place during the day. I feel like like there's only maybe a few nighttime scenes. So even like the name, like, ooh, Twilight, when vampires come out, that doesn't really even apply to this franchise of the lore they established. It's romantic. They shot this movie in 42, day, 42 days, JJ. What do you expect? <laughs> Wow, that is quite a rush shoot. I mean, I also, I mentioned this during the baseball sequence that it kind of has like a music video feel to it. Like even when her hair is blowing in the fan, like it all has like this really slick sort of style to it. There's like a weird gleam on on the movie, right? There's like a certain color palette that makes it feel like way more stylized. You get that music um, video feel too when they're just laying in the field, like staring at each other after he admits to being a vampire. Um, <laughs> they lay so awkwardly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physically, it's like, what are they doing with their arms? It's so it's uncomfortable. So in the book, she whenever they're cuddling, she describes him as being cold and hard as a statue. So I, I, I'm not sure where that attraction like comes from. I find I also found it really ironic that one of the first lines of the movie when she's leaving Arizona is saying how much she'll miss the heat, and that's ironic that she falls in love with a quote unquote cold one. Right. I mean, if anything, it's like, um, what do you call it? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, like if they were setting it up. For she's gonna like for a temperature thing if they're setting it up it kind of contradicts itself because even outside of this lore vampires are always known as being like cold creatures so i don't know like she, I, I don't know what the connection is from her coming from arizona and then also like the jacksonville thing like you know oh, where it's like always sunny where vampires i guess can never go that is like the most random place though jacksonville of all places i wonder if that has anything to do with the idea of her having to give up visiting her mother or having a life with her mother again if she chooses this life with Edward because her mother lives in sunny Florida where vampires really can't ever go. Right, right. And again, like her mother, who she's lived most of her life with, and then Edward, who she's known for like maybe a month or two, and you know, that's, she's making her, her decision based on that amount of time. She chooses Edward. Edward, why did you save me? You just let the venom spread. I could be like you by now. You don't know what you're saying. You don't want this. I want you. Always. Is she a senior? Aren't she? Uh... Oh, yeah. A junior, I think. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll, I... I'll, look, I'll forget. Like, she really comes in a month before prom. So I'm just kind of like trying to get a timeline of like, I had no idea how old she was or, uh, I was just- Yeah, that was, that was like not really made clear, uh, I don't think. 
Yeah, I'm not sure how much time passes if like a full year passes in the second movie, but I'm pretty sure in the end of the third movie, they all graduate. Okay. I did watch a little bit of the second movie and I noticed one that it almost is like immediately more action-packed like from the get-go and two, it even has a different look to it. So I, I it's almost like they changed direction of the franchise almost from the get-go. If I only watched like the first 30 minutes or so, I'm like, all right, I get it. Maybe maybe I'll totally sit down with this franchise another time, but I've had enough <laughs> for for one weekend. I think they did switch directors every movie, but they all made they all made money. They they were oh, like once sure. they re- like they were not stopping. Although it looks oh, cheap. It this I and Grant, I know it's the 42 days, but I could watch him like a one of the best lines is "Hold on tight, Spider Monkey." I think, <laughs> I think that's one of the most like. Why would you even? Thank you for putting that into a script. But him running, I feel like I could see the wire, <laughs> like running up that hill or up the tree. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. every time I cringe for that scene, it doesn't make any sense. That and the meadow scene could be cut and get just get to the action because that's what I find to be fun and you get more of that in the following movies. I just want to see vampires being vampires and you're always left wanting. I don't think we even saw teeth like uh, the two fangs. I'm trying to. I don't think you ever do. That's so that's so crazy to me and I agree. It's like you go into this, it's like oh, it's a vampire movie. I guess if you haven't read the book, you go into it. It's like, this is a vampire movie, and you don't really get much vampire stuff happening. You get a couple of those scenes in the beginning of just someone attacking, like, vampires ganging up on that security guard. Like, there's a little bit here and there. But um, especially during those, like, cuddling scenes where they're not even really being that um, affectionate with each other, I was starting to get, like, come on already, something happened. To add to your point, though, JJ, and I'll just... I don't think people are going to see this movie. I, I don't think one specific demographic is going to see this movie for the vampire lore. I think they're going specifically because Robert Patterson's a good-looking dude, and I, I know Jacob has kind of really nothing to do, but if there, apparently he does have more Team Jacob, Team Edward. I'm for That's Team right. Dad. That poor dad. He had no I'm idea what was dad. going on. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's kind of like reminds me of, um, like, you know, Alyssa and I, we both watch Gilmore Girls, and there's like a Team Jess and a Team Logan. I'm like, I'm, I'm Team Nobody. They're all terrible. <laughs> I'm like Team Nobody here. But it's also like going back and rewatching that and realizing you were Team Luke the whole time. <laughs> like oh, all of true. a sudden you want to know more about the adults than you want to know about the kids because they're, yeah. they're dealing with way more shit than the kids That's are. True. That's another example, like the father figure being like the one who's the most interesting to all come around. Kind of funny just because I'm more interested now in Rosalie. I'm kind of interested to hear all these other people's stories except for uh, Edward and Bella's. It's like the orange is a new black thing. It's like the main character is the least interesting and everyone else they introduced. It's like, no, more on them. Like shift the focus to like these other people because like... You set them up, and there's so many more questions to be asked about them. Yeah, from what I remember, I don't think you ever find out about Alice, who I do think is adorable. She has that whole, like, I don't know, she's so light and breezy. Um, It seems like she has so much control almost all of the time. 
Uh, and then it, I think that's a nice contrast to Rosalie, who is just like full of anger constantly. And you can just tell every time she walks into a room. Yeah, yeah. They, um, at least with that dynamic, like I said, I was afraid with this vampire family, it would all be just like six clones of personalities who are all like, okay, welcome, Bella. We all like you. So I was glad there was at least one oppositional voice. And like you said, the other character who, uh, what, what was her name again, who can see into the, the future? Um, Alice. Alice. Like, you know, I think she also was distinguishing herself a little bit. I'm not sure if that was the actor who maybe was adding more personality than maybe what was originally written for her. Ashley Green, I think that's the actress's name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I don't I mean, see her in a lot. I think she was in, like, um, was it 13 Ghosts? Really? Oh, who was she in that? One of the she ghosts. was in one of those campy, like, ghost movies back in the day. But I, I haven't seen her in much recently. That's so funny. We, we've talked about uh, before how the craze in the late 90s was ghost movies late 90s early 2000s like you know the haunting 13 ghosts and that was a short thing and now like 10 and then 10 years after that you had like the vampire craze and then it became zombies and now we're yes. going to merman probably <laughs> <laughs> who knows i wouldn't mind that i frankenstein that's what she should mella should be with i don't think she wolves or uh she doesn't need to be with wolves or um vampires frankenmen there you go made from uh, parts of other men um i mean i think the best monster movie i've probably seen in the last few years was the invisible man um if you guys the the reboot that came out a few years ago with elizabeth moss were you guys aware of that one it looks great it also looks like it would haunt me for the rest of my days so i have not seen it it's it's really effective like as much as like it probably would like it's a very resonant movie especially for the times um i think like the way they the take on the invisible man is so smart and elizabeth moss is so good i think at the end you'd be glad that you watched it so little plug for that one um i mean NBC Universal had been trying to get like a whole franchise of monster movies going with like Jekyll and Hyde and all these kind of things. I feel like they only really work individually. Like if you're going to do a vampire thing, I know they introduce like werewolves and stuff, but like for example, True Blood, I knew people started to fall off that franchise when they started introducing like fairies and shapeshifters and like all these other crazy things, you know. I didn't have even have a I watched True Blood. I watched all of True Blood, so I deserve something i deserve a free pizza uh i always considered it like hanging on to an anchor by the end of like I, you know i gotta see the bottom either way i'm dead i feel like i wasted all this time i have to i should see what's at the bottom of this ocean but it wasn't even like they were hinting that that anna paquin suki was powerful i had no problem it was just like by the end of the show i looked around i'm like who are all you people like there was so there was like 18 characters and it was just so what it did with well with the satire in the first couple seasons, it was so lazy. Oh, got away from, would you say? Yeah. Like, it just became less nuanced than what True Blood originally had. And not, True Blood wasn't that nuanced to begin with. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, like, going back to, like, this Twilight franchise, I mean... You know, it gets it gets more action packed, but does it? Yeah, as the series goes on, does it maintain that sort of like romance, that like fantasy romance that was first established? Like, does that ever kind of get moved away from, or do we always stay in this sort of like bubble teenage love drama? It's constantly the bubble. She never moves out of 
the bubble, unfortunately. The second movie slash book is about Edward thinking he's going to eventually kill her, so he disappears, and she literally falls to the ground and can't move for like 48 hours, and people have to come find her. She stops functioning without him in her life. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because when I was watching the beginning, like... I didn't realize that was like 48 hours. I thought like she had. Yeah, it could be exaggerating. But. I mean, I probably like was not fully paying attention. So I missed that part where like how much time had passed. But then also she sits in her room and you see time passing and she's not living her life because she's just mourning or she's like in such heartbreak over her relationship that she ceases to be who she is. Like she was like so dependent on this guy. So that was like another Ben message too coming through. Um one, one day I will, like, watch the rest of the movies. I don't think I'll ever read the books. We'll do it together. Yeah. We'll do yeah. it together. Because I can't, yeah, I can't watch this with, by myself. I have to watch this with friends. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, it becomes so much more ridiculous. And the fact that it ends, like, the whole climatic thing is that she eventually gets pregnant and has a vampire baby. Oh, I know baby. that. I know the beats with the deep fake baby. Yes. It, that That whole thing of how that's possible is very bizarre it's even more bizarre that in the end you find out the it, things are always so neat and tidy it's like we were saying before there's no downside to becoming a vampire because she didn't want to write anything dirty or messy into these books they were almost like the ultimate fantasy um and the whole edward and jacob thing is eventually resolved when the baby is born because it turns out the only reason Jacob was attracted to Bella was because he could sense the egg inside of her that would eventually become her daughter that he was right. really in love with. All right, wrap. I'm walking away right podcast. now. Walk Did I just away. lose everyone? I, I, no, I want to see that. I want to see how they execute that. That, but oh my. I was God, aware. That. I was aware of this, like him imprinting himself on her unborn baby. I was aware of that. I didn't know that's why she, he was initially attracted to her for, oh my God. That, Isn't that ugh. weird? Is that why he's vomiting in the, in, in the classroom? He's just like, I can sense your eggs. I want to totally just erase all that out of my mind now. Like, I, ugh. Oh. It, it's, so, it's so crazy to me that you know, someone tried to write basically like a, a sanitized version of like vampires because so much like we were talking about before of like vampires plays into like eroticism and in the taboo and for someone to take that and make like i don't know like a, a pure sort of like um for like a religious perspective something like like a like a more like a morality sort of perspective on vampires just doesn't really make any sense this doesn't go together it's like you know if she's like a religious person vampires are like demonic creatures like it doesn't vampires and religion do not go together I want to. I want to say, like, if it was done, if it was written well, we wouldn't know. Like, it wouldn't be this kind of conversation. But it's written so poorly, and like, you know, it's a toxic relationship with blatant toxic religious relationship. I should say, like, it's it's written so poorly uh, that it just kind of leaves a like a weird taste in your. I, it's because it almost tries to justify all of the um, abuse, almost, and all all yeah. of that toxicity. Um, at least when there's that grittiness and like sexual fire, 
there's a part of you that is leaning into it because you know it's wrong and it's okay to indulge those things sometimes and we get that through these fantasies but when you take that part away from it you she's trying to purify something that shouldn't feel that way does she ever call him out no not that i'm aware oh okay Uh, the score is lowly going i was gonna give it a kind bad score but now it's i don't even know i mean eventually in the beginning of the fourth they you know they do get married so it they do get down and dirty at some point but it's only until after there's a ring yeah (laughs) breaking dawn down and dirty (laughs) at breaking dawn twilight down and dirty um, and that's so funny to me, too, that they would break out the last book into two movies. That is another derivation of, like, what the Harry Potter series did, I feel. It's like, oh, the Harry Potter movies got away with that, so we can do that with this fifth book of this series. Um, I mean... Hunger Games, Divergent, if they ever made that last one, they all were going to, like, it, it's cynical money-making. And they both made money. Breaking Dawn 1 made money. It's and- just it's just a world. Like, I, watching this movie, I feel like I was entering this world that I just didn't care for. You know, it's just the, the feel of that world, you know, the way people are even acting and everything. It just seemed to be such, like, um, it almost seemed to me like something you'd air on a late night at Teen Nick or something. It was just, just not, like, the kind of like environment I want to like indulge in too often. It feels like fan fiction from start to finish because that's what kind of writer she started as and she never grew from there. That really sums it up quite. I think we were in due for a retrospective on Twilight, like a 12 year retrospective and this podcast did a good job starting it. I think it, I think it needs to be, I think it needs to be talked about how toxic it was. Yeah. Looking back, Absolutely, because these are conversations we were having more of that we didn't really have as much back then. I think the wheels were just starting um, back in 2008. Um, we had a lot, long way to go. You better hold on tight, spider monkey. <laughs> Do you trust me? In theory. Now close your eyes. Uh, so with that in mind, I think we can now get into our final thoughts and our final scores on Twilight. So Alyssa, we'll start with you, our guest. What would be your, your final like summary of your opinion and what percentage score would you give this first Twilight movie? Overall, um, it is a guilty pleasure. It reminds me of being back in college and going to see it in the theater with some of my sorority sisters and unfortunately not knowing any better. Um, It never filled that void for me of what I was missing, but I don't mind every once in a while going back and laughing through it as I watch it. Um, And just because this movie never went there, I'm going to and going to give my score as a 69. Oh, dang. All right, sixty nine. So a uh, a fresh score, but like a very like you know you, you uh, middle ground, like not like the highest praise by any means. Uh, but I can see where you're coming from. Um, and I think I think for a lot of people who do still defend this movie, it is coming from that nostalgia where like maybe they had seen it at like the right time for them, and you know they'll even if they watch it now, they'll maybe still have a soft spot for it. So we'll see. Some people do. Other people will like 
maybe like you like see it more for like what it really is as a problematic story. Yeah, probably a couple years ago, it would have been a higher score. I think as I age, the movie is worse. We'll yeah. check back when we'll check back with you in five years. Revisit. When my when my own daughter is Bella's age, we can talk about it again. Oh, okay. Yeah. By then, it'll be like down to like the low teens, I guess. Um, all right. So, and then Keith, what, what what's your final take? I'm gonna give. I'm gonna do what I did for Armageddon, where I'm gonna give it two scores. But uh, the official score, I what like as a movie itself on its own. I was going to give it a 30, but this conversation, the more we talked about it and dissected it, I'm going to give it like a 22. It is a bad movie. Uh, And I expect that score to go down as the movies go. But I'm going on the entertain. I do agree with Alyssa that there's guilty pleasure in this. I'm someone who thinks uh, Showgirls is a masterpiece. I think that is enter- more entertaining than even some good movies. I think that it's, it's, is it in the vein of Showgirls or The Room or Battlefield Earth? Maybe to some, but it's, it might be an honorable mention for me. So I'm going to give it a, a 75 entertainment score, and I expect that score to go up as the movies go. But for now, as uh, my official score with it is a 22. Yeah. You know, um, I keep thinking about how like the people who do really like the, this movie and this franchise are like really diehard fans. Like people really lived for this, at least at the time. Like I remember seeing, I think like the sixth Harry Potter movie and the trailer for the second Twilight movie was like, was, was played for that. And the whole audience went wild when that trailer played, like they were like living for it. And you know, I, I can imagine having watched the beginning of the second movie when Edward makes his first appearance, you know, there's like this entrance shot. I can imagine the crowd going wild when they first see him. Like there's such like a rabbit fan base for that. So I'm almost afraid of my negative score. Maybe like if it gets around to this like Twilight community, like we're going to face their wrath or something. So hopefully that, that won't be the case. I wonder what they think uh, of it now, though. I like. I, are they on Alyssa's side, where it's just like, yeah, we were young, and I don't, I'm reading reviews that were posted on Rotten Tomatoes, like audience reviews at, from like this year, that is saying like, loved it, will always love it, best romance of all time. Let them come at us, right? Like people like are still posting about how much they love this movie. The the again, I think it's more niche now than best. Uh, best romance of all time i know like who is saying that i mean maybe they just haven't seen a ton well, of i wrote ones. that one so you you internet troll you um so you know that i i'm fascinated by any sort of franchise that has such like um you know a, a devotion to it um so not sure what the power is there coming for that but for me um it was just like again that tedious schoolgirl fantasy that I was getting a little impatient with, especially towards the end, until it picked up. But it was a little too late for me by then. So I would give this like, um, I would give it like a thirty percent. So uh, I don't know, Keith, if you were doing the averages there, what does that come out to? What was the critic score? Critic score was um, like forty nine percent, I believe. Oh, I mean we're forty. Okay. All right. I- I that accept that. I, that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it's not like unwatchable by any means. Like it's goofy. Oh, it's a fun watch. Hokey. It's a fun and, watch. You know, all that kind of silly stuff. But I guess if they were really specific, the people who they were aiming it for really enjoyed it. So I guess they're successful by some mark, I suppose, even if they're aiming low. So you know, congrats to them. 
it's a fan chasing franchise 100 percent. yeah definitely it like caters to what they you know what they want they know what the audience wants and it gives it to them it doesn't challenge them in any way which is a shame because you have the potential to um so i hereby decree that uh on the movie twilight we are officially setting with the critics so uh Thank you, Alyssa, for joining us for our first episode this yes, season. Yes, thank you. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you guys for having me and working with me and my crazy schedule. Oh, of course. You know, we knew we'd have um, a great episode on our hands here, so definitely willing to do whatever it took to get you on here. And hopefully again, too, uh, for another episode. Down for the all line. the Twilights. We're just... I'm... I think the second one. I need. To, I need to see how they fall. I need to see this. I think the second movie is also divided. So maybe we could do like a part. I two. think they're all divided. I can't see people. I can't see critics ever liking this. I'm sure they all are. Um, as something fun, if you do like to kind of poke fun, um, I listen to a podcast called The Quibbler, which is a Harry Potter podcast. Our friend Heather Tedesco told me. I told Heather. Uh, uh, so you're the source, yeah. So I'm the source. However, on Halloween and April Fool's Day, they become the Nibbler, and they have done each of the Twilights as an episode, which is hilarious to listen to. Okay, so definitely we'll uh, remember that listen to Quibbler here for their take on uh, <laughs> the the Twilight series. It sounds pretty amusing. Um, also, just for it's, I feel it's also cathartic when people like express that kind of same you know um, negative feeling about something as you do. So if anything, just to feel like I'm not on total crazy pills, I'll listen to that as well and feel like okay, like I'm not the only one who thinks this way. Um, so thanks for that, Alyssa. Uh, again, we'd love to have you again on another episode. And uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. So um, tune in for more episodes coming more this fall. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. See you soon.